Translation 754, as Ibrahim now has been thrown into the fire, he comes out, he goes home to his father and he has a conversation with his father in which he tells his father he is misguided. And after some exchange, his father tells him to leave, meaning permanently, you know, his house and also the town. So it is here that Ibrahim says, وَقَالَ إِنِّي ذَاهِبٌ إِلَىٰ رَبِّي That I'm now going to leave, I'm not leaving your house. I'm leaving towards my Lord, who is going to guide me. So Ibrahim is convinced that he is on the right path, and he is convinced that his Lord will guide him towards further, inshallah, good things, and towards a path that will lead him towards success and felicity. This is how uh, prophets behave, that although he has been forced out of his home and forced out of his town. Now this is the first hijrah of a human being for the sake of Allah, where Ibrahim Islam leaves his father, his family, his town and goes somewhere else to an unknown future. So hijrah requires usually that you go to a place where there is peace and security but you don't have necessarily all the logistics in place to to live and to survive so there's an element of sacrifice there as we know he then uh, is joined by his nephew his nephew being Lut they leave both together and Ibrahim sends loot to those people and he goes forward with his journey all the way into uh, Egypt with his wife Sarah. Mm. At this point of time they don't have uh, children. Yeah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now reporting Rabbi Habli min al-Salihim my Lord, grant me an offspring that is from the pious. Yeah. Ibrahim Islam is old here. Sarah is also old. She's beyond menopause. And Ibrahim Islam is beyond the normal age of being able to conceive. But since he is making dua that uh, he doesn't want to be left without progeny and especially someone who's going to take over 
the mission, mission and the message of Nabuwa and Prophethood. He makes dua and Allah responds to this dua. But here Ibrahim Islam's words are reported in the Quran as Habli. Hab is from the word Wahaba, which means to give as a gift. Wahaba and then Hiba. Hiba is the word that brings the word Wahaba. Hiba is a gift. In this construct, Ibrahim is alluding to the theology behind children. Islam is a deen, Islam has theology. What is our understanding of children? Is it a God-given right that every married couple should have children? Or is it purely a divine gift? Hmm. So the Quran says, يَهَبُ لِمَنْ إِنَاثًا وَيَهَبُ لِمَنْ that he gives as a gift to whomsoever he wishes, male, and he gives as a gift to whomsoever he wishes, a female, or females. So we see that the Quran's emphasis in the idea behind conception is that it is a divine gift, and it is not a political right, it is not a social right, it is not a legal right. So the idea that people have nowadays that every couple should have the right to conceive either this way or that way goes against this theology that we find in, first of all, the words of Ibrahim salam as reported, Hab, uh, grant me as a gift. Uh, meaning you are the creator, you are the maker, the institution of marriage is a means by which Allah gives you a gift but it's not necessary that Allah gives a gift because that's what a gift is you can't impose on God to give me a gift you can ask and you can request so if you bring it down to the legal discussion say every couple has a right to conceive so they must be allowed to conceive any which way that kind of dies uh, with this theology. Number one. Number two, that this gift that Ibrahim is asking for is a miracle. Okay? Because he's beyond uh, the, the years of conception and also his wife. So he's not asking for a regular uh, divine order. He's asking for a very special divine order which also must be included in your discussion. And thirdly, in history, in human history, we know that not every couple conceives. So the Prophet ﷺ had several wives, and he did not conceive from any of them, except Khadija. So did he then go to Allah and say, give me a child? Is my right as a Nabi to give me an heir, and he didn't have any male heirs. He only had daughters. Right? So if the spirit of Islam is that everybody must have a male heir, then the Prophet should have been the first one to demand from Allah 
that he is given a boy and a son as an heir uh, to whatever. But that didn't happen. So Aisha, being Aisha, young uh, and everything, did not conceive. She did not ask the Prophet ﷺ to ask Allah to give them a child. This is the adab. It's theology, but it's more adab of how we behave with Allah and how we behave in the normal scheme of life uh, in this world. So there have been many who have not conceived as married couples and life goes on because it is a divine gift. So Allah may give you children as a gift. And then says, he may make somebody totally barren and not give him any children. That's also mentioned in the same ayah. So here the word hub gives us an insight into the understanding of Ibrahim about Allah subhanahu wa Allah, he is his Lord. And part of his lordship is that he is the one who gives gifts. And I'm asking you to give me a gift, although I'm beyond the age of conception. So he's not asking for ordinary means, he's asking for something else. And that is there, that's number one. Habli min al-Salihin. So he was given uh, two children, one through Sarah and the other through Hajar, uh, who is Ajar. And she came as a gift, a royal gift from the uh, Egyptian Okay, king or whoever he was, Ibrahim uh, was moving around that area uh, just to find a place where he could live and so on. So, the long story short, uh, Hajar is a royal maid. Mm, so she, there's royalty there. It wasn't as if she was from the streets and uh, she was a nobody. She knew the rules of how to behave as a noble woman. And she knew the rules of how to raise children through nobility and with nobility. And that is what Hajar is. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So we gave him glad tidings of a tolerant child, a tolerant boy, Halim, where with Ishaq alayhi salam in that story in Surah Al-Dhariyat we say وَبَشَّرُنَاهُ بِغُلَامٍ عَلِيمٍ that we gave him glad tidings of a child, a boy who will be knowledgeable so for Ishaq the word Alim is used and for Ismail the word Halim is used there's a difference between the two although they overlap with each other um, Alim is one who has knowledge and Halim who has the fruit of knowledge which is Hilm which is forbearance and tolerance and uh, clemency and all of that so he, he was someone who was exceptionally tolerant and patient and as you know you need patience in order to learn also patience is a tool for learning so both were given knowledge and both were given this ability. Anyway, just the difference in the terminology Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses for 
Ismail. This child is referring to Ismail salam, not to Ishaq salam. So Allah gives him a child uh, that is Halim, okay, that is forbearing and tolerant because of the work ahead of him. The work ahead of him is the following. فَلَمَّا بَلَغَ مَعَهُ السَّعَيَ قَالَ يَا بُنَيَّ إِنِّي أَرَى فِي الْمَنَامِ أَنِّي أَذْبَحُكَ فَانْظُرْ مَاذَا تَرَى So when he reached the age of striving with him, striving, literally, meaning when he reached the age of understanding, struggle, and striving. So Ismail Islam reached a certain age where he knew how to work, and he understood and appreciated work, sai, effort, striving, and all of that. So he was now somewhat mature. In those days, obviously, if you're raised in the desert, and you're not raised with people around you, as Ismail Islam was not raised with people around him. He was raised by Hajar in Mecca, uh, and then later on they moved to Mina, which is where this happened. Okay, the, the, the environment allows you to grow and mature much quicker than if you were schooled, especially nowadays. People aren't mature, even when they're 25. So the age there, people say, is about seven or nine. And that's the time when he started to appreciate he had to do the work. Work in the house, work outside the house, work for this, work for that. So when he and when he reached the age where he appreciated work, meaning Ibrahim salam would visit him frequently, and uh, his mother, who trained him, uh, made him responsible and made him appreciate work, life, struggle, and effort. Otherwise, the story won't make sense. Hmm. When you're given a child at this very, very old age, Hajar was young, Ibrahim was old, then you want to make sure that you do everything uh, that ensures that the child will progress in life and become a man of his own, and so on. So this is the beginning of Ismail's manhood. Is making children responsible for work is the best thing a parent can do. Pampering the child where they remain birda birda until they're God knows 40 years old. It's the worst thing you can do to a child. It is absolute dhulm, injustice that you would do this. So Ibrahim salam and Hajar instilled within Ismail this understanding that I have to work for myself. Sai, I have to work for myself. I have to fend for myself. I am responsible. I'm now coming into the world and no one's going to feed me. No one's going to look after me. No one's going to take care of me. This is the Sai Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now mentioning here that there's a unique ability understand life at this very early age, <coughs> which is a sign of hilm and tolerance, as you know. So Ibrahim then when he sees he is reaching this age, 
where he's uh, willing to go into the world and do things for himself, he sees a dream. So as I said, at the old age, you get a child. And when you get a child, you want to make sure the child grows up to become something. And he sees a dream in which the dream tells him, what? Now you got to kill him. Right? The paradox of life. That's when he's reached the age where he's going to live because he has sai. So Allah gives him a dream which says, now kill him. So what do you do? Oh my son, I have seen in the dream Indeed I am sacrificing you I'm in the process of sacrificing you So you look What do you see in it? What do you see in the dream? So this is another indication of the maturity of Ismail, Ismail is now able enough to understand perhaps what a dream means Yes, whether he says 9 or 7, it doesn't matter, or 15, it doesn't matter. The, the, the fact is, Ismail is being now uh, asked to look into the dream himself and see. What does he see? He responds, Qala. Ismail responds, Ya Abati, if al ma tu'mar. Oh, my father, you must do what you have been instructed to do. He doesn't say, kill me. He doesn't say slaughter me. He says, do what you're instructed to do, what you're ordered to do, which is what he did. Satajiduni. Inshallah min sabirin Indeed, you will find me through Allah's leave from those who have sabr. I will be amongst those who are patient. Now, your instruction, if it's to slaughter me, then do that. I'll be patient. And if your instruction is something else, do that. I will be patient. So now he has understood that his role is to uh, apply the rule of Allah. And every <coughs> Nabi's dream is wahi. So Ibrahim now gets ready for this. Now, now you see, there is stress there. Because he asked for a child at the end of his life, he gets a child that is ready, that is productive, and that is intelligent, and Allah shows him that he must sacrifice him. So that's the stress. That's the tension that's going through Ibrahim He's a human being, right? So he's going to have these thoughts. What am I doing? But if Allah wants me to do this, then uh, I will have to do it. Number one. Number two, the idea of sacrificing a human being was never established in human civilization as a practice. So Ibrahim is also thinking, why am I being asked to sacrifice a human being? That's not really in the realm of ibadah. Muslims don't sacrifice human beings. So why am I being asked to sacrifice a human being? That's the other tension in his mind. But he says, let's follow the hukum. So the hukum is this. We'll follow the hukum. You don't need to interpret or make ta'wil and uh, do something that Allah doesn't want us to do. We'll do what he wants us to do. We won't ask about the Islamic justification of this. So there's a life justification. Allah, you gave me a child at this age, now you're asking me to kill him. And there's an Islamic justification. 
we don't sacrifice human beings in Islam. So I say he gets rid of both justifications and he says, okay, whatever Allah wants. That's the imtihan or the bala that Allah speaks on. Yeah. So when they submitted, what did they submit to? What I just said. Ismail Islam submitted to whatever Allah wanted his father to do. Ibrahim Islam submitted at so many different levels, as I just mentioned. So when they both submitted and he laid him down, Jabin, he laid him down on his forehead. And he started to uh, use his knife and started to cut his throat. And then it would not work. So he sharpened it again and again and again, and he changed positions of the neck and then also the, the, the throat, and nothing worked. Mm. Nothing worked. Then we called him, Oh Ibrahim. We called Ibrahim from a distance, and uh, we, we spoke to Ibrahim and said, Qad saddaqta ru'ya. Indeed, you have made your dream come true. You have confirmed your dream. So where is the confirmation of the dream? The dream says that I am sacrificing you, meaning in the process. The dream didn't say I sacrificed you in the past tense. So now you have confirmed the dream that you are in the process of sacrificing, which was the intent of Allah, uh, that he would uh, submit, leave all of these values and justifications, and do what he wanted him to do. So that is now tasdiq, confirmation of the dream. Indeed, this is the way we do reward those who do good deeds. Now, where is the reward here? There's no reward here. How did we reward Ibrahim? One is that we allowed you to prove your integrity by following the command of Allah, and we also spared your son. So we allowed you to sacrifice without killing your son. That is the reward. Yeah. This is how we see this. Indeed, this was a huge test. This was a huge, open, clear, evident test. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, this is the way he tests. So whatever Allah commands us to do is a test. So Muslims must see this as universal. Whatever Allah sends our way is always going to be a test. So whether it's a good thing or not a good thing, we must see it as a test and not assume this or that. So Ibrahim is the prototype. He is the blueprint for all human actions and sacrifices that we, no matter in what type of condition you are in, you must see that as a test. Good times are a test. 
and not so good times also. The test, and this is all about this life, this life is all a test. So that we may test you in this world and then remove you from this world and then repay you, compensate you, reward you or punish you according to your actions. But this is the way we repay those who do good deeds. Inna kadalika. So we allow them to <coughs> sacrifice, allow them to submit, allow them to be patient, and then allow them to succeed in their test uh, without any damage. Mm. There was no harm done. So this is the divine intent, that no harm should be done to Ismail Islam. And this is all the process of the divine and bringing into existence a tradition of uh, human submission and human surrender uh, through the institution of sacrifice. So sacrifice means that uh, you gain something at the other end. Ibrahim did not expect or anticipate anything at the other end. Ibrahim did know that the knife will not work. He was anticipating that he would kill his son. That was the test, and that was also the reward for Ibrahim. So you see, that was all abstract. There's an unknown factor in what uh, a Muslim does at this level. So a Muslim doesn't expect any results at this level in this world. In fact, he expects the worst, and despite that, he goes through with it. So this is, as I said, the prototype of sacrifice, both in the father and the son and also the mother because the mother is also involved in this whole process. Mm. So this is the Ali Ibrahim, the family Ibrahim <coughs> who give us this code of life and this code of living. Hajar's initial sacrifice was to try and save Ismail between the Sa'i of Safa and Marwa. The same word is used there, Sa'i. Mm -hmm. So between Safa and Marwa, her Sa'i was to do what? Save Ismail by looking for water. And Ibrahim's Sa'i here is what? Is to kill him. <laughs> the divine paradox. So the mother he chose to save him and the father he chose to kill him. Right? The divine comedy, if I call it. Yeah, this is how the divine works with Ibrahim. So Ibrahim is the prototype. Uh, this great figure of Tawheed and monotheism. Total submission to the one Allah. It doesn't matter. Okay. You gave me a son at an old age. Now you want me to get rid of him, I'll get rid of him. Right? When he's appreciating life. If he's sacrificing when he's a baby, that might make sense. But no. So these are all the signs of Allah's fadl on Ibrahim This is a very clear, evident, manifest test. And Ibrahim is uh, setting the stage for all other prophets after him and all other Muslims after him that he must strive to be at this level of trust and tawakkul and uh, submission to Allah 
that you will do anything and everything if the command is given. That should be in your DNA, and that is the root of a Muslim civilization that we used to be very eager to sacrifice for the sake of Allah. Now we can't sacrifice dinner parties for Allah. Mm. We're stooped in luxury. We have to go to a party or go to this. You know, the party is more important. Why? Because my family will be angry at me if I go to the party. What if Allah is angry at you for not going there? You see, uh, things have changed. Our priorities are kind of messed up, to say the best, uh, say the least. Anyway, so this level where you, you are willing to sacrifice your own child and your own household for the sake of Allah is then rewarded further. Okay, then we spared him and we gave him in ransom for a great offering, a great slaughter, the offering of the ram that came from Jannah. Ibrahim Islam took the ram and then sacrificed the ram, which became the basis for our qurbani. So Allah's fadl was that Allah exchanged Ibrahim Ismail and in ransom gave this animal that came from Jannah. And then that became the sunnah of Ibrahim vis-à-vis -vis the qurbani and the adhiyah and the sacrifice we have on Eid al-Adha where the Sahaba asked ma al abahi Ya Rasulullah what are these sacrifices? Ya Rasulullah, the Prophet said, Sunnah Abikum Ibrahim, it is the Sunnah of your father. Ibrahim means this is what he initiated as a Sunnah. So the asal and original sacrifice was of a human being in the form of his own son. Then Allah exchanged that for a ram. Now we don't have the ability to access a ram from Jannah, so whatever is available. That's further Allah's follow. Otherwise, if we were to follow the sacrifice of Rahim, we need a ram from Jannah. But Allah made the Sharia easy on people. So any goat will do. Any sheep will do. As long as it's intact and not uh, damaged or deficient in any way, shape, or form. Right. The ram that came from Jannah. In Jannah, there's no blood. Right. But when something comes into earth, in time and space, it assumes all the properties of time and space. And that's where the blood came from. Right? Otherwise, in Jannah, there's no blood. You have to remember that. As a side note, that this was a dhibah, dhibhin azim, a tremendous sacrifice or tremendous slaughtering of an animal. And they ate from that and they gave to people. And so on. That became the tradition of the Ali Ibrahim. And indeed we left for him, uh, behind him in later generations, we left for him something. The Quran doesn't say a good name, but it's implied. Uh, that is through the dua of Ibrahim which we did in Surah Shara, uh, that uh, give me a good name in those who come after me. Having a good name in uh, future generations is a ni'mah from Allah. You don't want people to remember you as a bad person. 
you definitely want people to remember you as a good person because you will become shuhadawul nas you will become witnesses for people on the day of judgment and if you witness altogether there is a bad person then that's not a good sign so Allah subhanahu wa says as a further ni'mah we place the good name for Ibrahim and he is recognized by these three religions Judaism Christianity and uh, Islam they all recognize him as their prototype and uh, patriarch and so on so we gave him a good good name so we gave him this ability in the world to perform the utmost and the highest level of sacrifice which was throughout his life throughout his life he did nothing but sacrifice he sacrificed his body by being thrown into the fire he sacrificed his father and his hometown by making hijrah and he sacrificed so much his own life in front of namrud for the sake of tawhid and then he sacrificed his progeny for the sake of allah so ibrahim alayhis life is all about sacrifice that's who ibrahim is hijrah and what's called qurbani of here and obviously with this the issue of jihad salamun ala ibrahim peace be upon ibrahim alayhis peace eternal peace be upon ibrahim allah's declaration for ibrahim salam that there can be nothing that's going to hurt ibrahim nothing in the fire nothing in front of namrud nothing even when he is trying to sacrifice his son with a sharp knife even there there's only salam there's only peace for ibrahim whatever ibrahim touches there's peace so salam and ala ibrahim fi dunya and obviously fi akhirah plenty of salam for him that's why we use the word salam as we saw with nuh alayhi salam salamun ala nuhin fil alamin salam an nuh in all the worlds here there is salam period on ibrahim whether he's here or there doesn't matter wherever ibrahim is there is salam kadhalik najzil muhsinin likewise thus we do reward those who do good deeds so in the story of the sacrifice there were rewards which i mentioned and post sacrifice there is further reward for ibrahim alayhisalam in the sense that he has a good name and the ummah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is asked to follow the millah of ibrahim which is also a jaza it is a ni'mah it's a blessing that what we do by following ibrahim is that he receives the rewards all the sacrifices we make on qurbani all that reward goes back to where ibrahim all of it so there's a reward and he will come on the day of judgment with all that reward in front of allah and so on innahu min ibadina almu'minin indeed <coughs> he is from our believing servants yeah he is from our believing servants he is from those who believe in allah trust in allah and do things for the sake of allah this is a testimony from allah about ibrahim alayhisalam just in case people uh, corrupt his name as you know in certain 
religious writings. Mm. They corrupt Ibrahim Islam and his seerah and his stories and they call him this and that. So the Quran says none of that. Ibrahim is with Salam. He is not corrupt. He is sound. And there is only safety and security and peace around him. So we must appreciate that the Quran speaks the truth about Ibrahim salam and does not go the way other books speak about him. Other religious books, they don't care about the infallibility of prophets. Where the Quran depicts the infallibility of prophets all the time. This is a distinction between what human beings write and what Allah reveals. Human beings, being human beings, are not able to appreciate that another human being is perfect. But Allah, being Allah, is able to appreciate that He can make someone perfect when He chooses to. So He made all the Anbiya perfect in the sense that they are ma'asum, in the sense that uh, even their mistakes are good, in the sense that they do not commit any sin and they are infallible. So we see this as a ni'mah of Islam and of the Qur'an, that we see human beings, the good human beings in good light. We don't see good human beings in bad light. So this is how human beings must behave as a civilization. They appreciate the goodness wherever it is and they don't fall on their faces when they're describing the achievements and feats of uh, human beings. So this is a societal message in the Quran. إِنَّهُ مِنْ عِبَادِنَا الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Indeed, he is from our servants who is uh, believing. So he believed in Allah and he was straightforward and was upright and he did all of this for the sake of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. The next few ayat deal with uh, Ishaq which inshallah we will consider the next time. We'll stop here. Jazakumullah. We'll see you all soon. Subhanallah. 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 Subhanallah.